you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were traveling back from Texas, and uh, we were traveling rather late. And um, there is a restaurant, so I don't know that we have any around here, but down south there's... Um, little restaurant I've heard the kids and others uh, rave about and it's called Raisin Cane's and um, it's supposed to be a place to stop in for best chicken on the planet they said I'm kind of a Chick-fil-a fan myself but traveling late at night uh, we, we were looking for something open and my wife said well there's there is a Raisin Cane's and it's it's open and uh, so we pulled off the road, and um, we um, went went through the drive-through, and um, we were going to go through the drive-through. They were closed through the drive-through. Something was going on, so we parked, went inside, and the place was rather empty. A couple of people working there, and they weren't the kindest to us. Uh, maybe because it was late at night, and uh, maybe they were getting close to closing, and. So we just quickly made an order, and we got our food, kind of excited to get out in the car, and um, I think I might have had canes one other time, but uh, I, I didn't exactly remember it. It was several years ago, and I was preaching down, uh, preaching a revival down south, and, um, and I didn't remember a lot about it, but they were making it such a big deal about it, so I, I, I get, my, get my canes and get me a southern sweet tea, whip out on the road and I get the cruise set we're making our way down the interstate and my wife starts pulling through the bag she pulls out the, the chicken and I wanted to take the first bite before I dipped it in any of the sauces you know I wanted to find out what the chicken really tastes like um, you know some of those sauces it probably would be good on cardboard and so I, I just said, well, I'm going to just try the chicken. And I, I took a bite of that chicken. I looked at my wife. About that time, she took a bite of hers. And it was just kind of silence in the car as we were driving. No oohs and ahs, no ums and wows. And we just kept driving. I opened up the sauce and I dipped, dipped it in the sauce and I took another bite. My wife's just kind of sitting there looking forward. She said, do you like that chicken? 
then it dawned on me. Probably wasn't bad chicken. But the oil was old. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It had been far too long since they had changed the oil. And you could taste just, it was just missing something. It was missing something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, it doesn't matter how good things were Sunday, but here we are on church on Wednesday night, and we need fresh oil tonight. What happened Sunday's gone. It's not going to, it's not going to, you need something fresh today. I want, I want the oil to remain fresh. Wednesday night, we talked about the holy anointing oil, and tonight I'm going to come back because I didn't finish it, and I spent hours preparing about 18 pages of notes, and I got through about page number five, so I'm going to come back tonight, and we're going to talk a little more about the holy anointing oil. But before we do, I just want you just to ask the Lord to saturate us with his anointing in this house. We had a move of God last Wednesday night. We, it was a little abnormal, but there was a great, great move of the Lord here. I told my wife, I said, if we didn't have such a Wednesday night mentality, we could have had some church in here on Wednesday night. Was a great, it was a great touch from the Lord. We need his touch tonight. Somebody in this house tonight needs that fresh anointing oil to rest upon them. Why don't you just lift your hands right where you are? You don't have to stand, but just right where you are. And just join with me and let this song kind of be your prayer. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall. And let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Come on, make it your prayer to the Lord now. Anointing fall fresh on me. Let your anointing. fresh on me let the power of the Holy Ghost fall fresh on me let your anointing fall on me come on sound like a choir in here tonight lift your voice and say anointing fall Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. God, we need your anointing in the house tonight. Do what only you can. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Psalm 133, verse number 2, speaks of the precious anointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down into the skirts 
of his garment. And I'm going to pick up where I left off in the last Bible study. We wrapped up by talking about our need for the anointing and uh, just recapping just for a moment, the anointing is more than something proverbial. There's, there is a spiritual anointing and then there is a physical anointing, a literal anointing with anointing oil. We talked about that. And we're going to touch back on, on that a little bit, but we're going to kind of focus a little bit tonight as well on the spiritual anointing, the anointing that comes from God, the anointing that comes by our consecration, by our preparation, our prayer life, our dedication to God, our consecration to the Lord, all brings about an anointing, an anointing to minister comes through our preparation of study, of prayer. We talked a little bit about the preparation of the flesh, uh, and I'm going to kind of pick up there tonight because we, we wrapped up talking about the holy anointing oil that was given to the priest for uh, the preparation. And we talked about that nothing, uh, nothing, no, if a fly got in the, got in the oil, that the, the oil was no longer uh, good for use. It had to be cast out. And we talked about how that a sin-filled life, how that sin, how that the things of the world can uh, hinder the working of God in our life, that it taints the anointing of God. If we allow our flesh, if we allow our flesh uh, to get in the way of the spiritual work, and spiritual work, uh, the unction for spiritual work, the, the special anointing for spiritual work comes, uh, comes through our prayer, our preparation, our consecration, and, uh, and leading us to uh, our, our need for the anointing and the responsibility for anointing. And we talked a little bit, our youth were in, in, in with us, and we talked a little bit about the importance of the anointing and how that our youth and children... Uh, the anointing flows down and how it's so important for us to establish uh, an anointed prayer life, an anointed ministry uh, in everything that we do. Our heads of household, your home should be an anointed place. Your, your, time, of, uh, your time of devotion unto the Lord, your prayer time should not just be uh, done in some light-hearted manner. I, I sometimes give correction. Uh, in our home, uh, sometimes we can easily, uh, we pray before meals in our home, and I think you should. Um, I was taught to pray uh, before meals. It's a, it's a, it's a fact of respect, uh, of honoring the Lord, of giving thanks, of asking His, thanking Him for His provision, and uh, in a few cases, asking Him for His protection before we uh, partake of that meal. And if you've been on a mission trip, you've definitely asked for that, uh, that protection a few times. Uh, and so that we, we pray before our meals, and sometimes it can become a, um, a ritual. It can become meaningless. It's just something that we do. It's, hey, who's going to pray? We raise our finger to see who, don't, who, who gets by without having to be the one that prays. Uh, we start taking it lightly. 
And uh, if we're not careful, every area of our life, when we're dealing with spiritual things, if we're not careful, every area of our life can be dealt with in such manners that we begin to allow the flesh to get in the way. And things that are intended to be holy, things that are intended to be sacred, can become common. And everything about the anointing, there was nothing common about the anointing. The anointing was sacred. It was special. It was, it was intended for, that, that's why we, we should never come into the house of the Lord and feel the presence of God and get used to it. The presence of God ought to wow us. Every time we feel, it doesn't, here tonight, I have felt the presence of the Lord in our worship and in our prayer tonight, in us coming together. We ought to feel the presence of the Lord. It's sincere, it's from the heart. I felt the presence of the Lord here. Just because I don't feel the presence of the Lord doesn't mean that His presence is not there. But to be spiritually in tune and feel and sense and know that His presence is here is very important. And we ought to never take it lightly. We ought to never feel like that we deserve it. We ought to never become commonplace. When we're praying before meals in our home, we ought to never get to the point of, of uh, it just being the, uh, let's see who can get their finger raised first so we can see who doesn't have to pray and the last one to raise their finger has to pray and it's just kind of good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat and let's get it over with. And uh, it ought, it, 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 it's meaningless if we deal with things in that manner. If, if we come to the house of God and we're just like, come on already, let's just get through this thing. Let's just, let's just hurry up and dismiss because it's nice weather out and I want to go home and, 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 and catch the news or I want to go home and, and, uh, and, and you know, grill a burger out before it gets dark. Come on, pastor, get done here. We, we must not approach the things that are holy in such a manner. We ought to all, never let human will and human flesh get in the way of things that are sacred and anointed of God. We ought, to, we ought to hold them precious. We ought to hold them dear to our hearts. And I'm, I'm picking up here where uh, we left off in talking about the anointing oil and how it was in the, in the creation, in the making of the anointing oil. And we talked about... Uh, our feeble attempt, uh, only just in like manner, uh, to, uh, to use some of the ingredients uh, that were used in the holy anointing oil to give us a sense of fragrance, just to remind us. That's what it is. It's, it's nothing. I don't want you to get superstitious about this oil. There's this, whether, whether you're anointed with this oil or you can go across to Walmart and you can, um, you can get you some oil from Walmart and, um, and, 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 and use, use some olive oil. Um, the only thing that sets this oil apart is that we've, we have prayed over this oil and consecrated it holy unto the Lord. But truly, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, sacred about this oil um, in, in, the, in, the, in the fact of it being oil. It's just olive oil. It's the best olive oil that we can buy. But if we look in, in, the, in the scripture and we, we search uh, history and learn of the making of the the holy anointing oil it was it came from the choice of olives and it went through the pressing and uh, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump it on out there in front of you while I'm talking about it but the oil represents Jesus I want you to see Jesus 
in the oil, in everything. He was, he was the better sacrifice. He was the ultimate sacrifice. What the blood of bulls and goats could not do, the blood of Jesus could do. And so he was the ultimate sacrifice and his body was beaten and broken. And in the, the, in the making of the holy anointing oil, the, the olives went through the, the press, a, a process. First of all, it, it came from the choice of olives and they were separated from all the rest. It was only the best. And then the olives went through the, the pressing and uh, in order for the olive oil to be made, uh, it had to endure the, the press, the grind, the pressure from which from that oozed out the precious anointing oil. And then there were other elements that were mingled with the olive oil. And those elements I just briefly mentioned, and I'm going to spend a little more time getting into it tonight, but the, the, the oil came from uh, the finest ingredients of, of the olive, and then there, there was mingled with it pure myrrh. Uh, sweet cinnamon of fragrance, calamus, cassia, uh, all of these elements came from, uh, it came from pure myrrh, came from the sap of a tree. The, the cinnamon of fragrance uh, came from the inner bark, uh, they believe, of the, of the laurel tree. Calamus was a liquid fragrance that came from a cane type uh, plant. And the cassia was the juices of a plant pod. And the way all of those were extracted, it was the same type process. They endured a squeezing, a pressing. They were under pressure. Uh, and from that came the drips and the drops uh, of the precious uh, items that were mingled together to make up the holy anointing oil. And they all came through the process of pressure and squeezing. And, and it, is, it is such a perfect type of Christ. But I want to apply it to us here for a little bit tonight. Because sometimes we fail to understand that some of the things that God allows us to go through is that he is working some things into our life and sometimes he's working some things out of our life. And often we don't know whether he's working something into us or out of us until we're far past it. And we look back and the old adage hindsight's 2020. the truth is, is that we look back over our life and you, we often don't see what we went through last week or last month and it really doesn't make sense and we feel we, we can get frustrated at it because we're under the pressure of it, we're under the stress of it, but we don't understand and sometimes we get way down the road and we look way back at things and we're like, oh my goodness, now I understand because God was working some things into me and through me. I was in, uh, in a meeting with a group of ministers earlier this week and and in discussion, uh, I, I was discussing some, some hurts and some feelings and some things 
that uh, maybe I felt 20 years or so ago and was discussing some of those with these ministers and somebody was asking me, how, how do you get beyond it? And I was trying to attempt to find, to put it into words. And uh, in, in working through it, the Lord just kind of just nudged me to, to look at a group of mostly men younger than me and I, I spoke to them and I said, 20 years ago I didn't see this, but today I realized that most of, most of the reasons I went through what I went through is because I was wrong. And the room was kind of silent, people kind of looked at me, and I said, I don't think I did everything right. And now that I come tonight teaching, my point, my point is, is that sometimes we get frustrated at why is God not elevating us? Why is our ministry not springing open? Why is my opportunities not coming? And it's because God is trying to either work some things into us and sometimes work some things out of us. And He is preparing us and He is anointing us for a purpose that is far greater, often far greater than what we could possibly imagine. If I look back when I was in Bible college um, and look in my younger days of ministry before Bible college, during Bible college, um, I was one of the few that had started my ministry before I went to Bible college. And then I went to school having already felt a call to preach, having already uh, traveled and preached some. And so when I got there, most of the students there, several were just trying to find out if they had a call to ministry and uh, trying to kind of find direction. And I, I, was, uh, I felt like I was ahead of the class in some of those areas. But if you were to ask me back then, and even after Bible college and in the first few years of ministry, if you would have asked me then if where that I saw myself 30 years down the road, uh, I can tell you that God has blessed me in ways I never dreamed. It is, if the Lord would have answered my prayers and let me do what I wanted to do and opened every door that I asked for, my ministry would have been sidetracked and I would not be where I'm at today doing what I'm doing today. God didn't answer my prayer and sometimes I'm wondering why is God not answering my prayer? Listen, He has a plan that is bigger than some of the prayers that you're praying for your own self. He's got a bigger plan for you. He's got something greater for you. And you have to submit yourself. And what we don't understand during those times and during those days that we're going through it and we're under the pressure and we're under the stress and we're going through, we're, it feels like we're being twisted and broken and beaten and mistreated and sometimes talked about and misunderstood. And we don't know what's going on, but God is working some things into us in the preparation for an anointing that is going to be far greater than anything that we ever dream possible. Is this okay? I don't want to stretch this text so far and I don't want to get into this idea and get so far away from my subject matter. But I believe that the anointing people can come to us. And I, I mentioned this a little bit uh, Last time I was teaching in, on, on this subject, last, was it last week? Seems like days and nights are getting mixed up. Was it last week? Did we have church last Wednesday night? Did I teach on the anointing last Wednesday night? 
All right, thank you. Some of you actually remember. Uh, I, I was I was questioning myself, uh, trying to trying to trying to d- discover whether. So, so the the point is is that we 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 want the anointing, and we feel like that there is going to be some shortcut. There is no shortcut to the anointing. If you're going to be anointed to lead your home, to lead your family, to lead people to God, if you're going to be anointed to develop a ministry, to do a work for God, to be on the platform, whether it's singing, leading, preaching, teaching Sunday school classes, working in any area of ministry, you can be anointed in many, many areas. And some of the greatest moments of anointing for me, some of my earliest times of recognizing Man, I was anointed of God and I recognized it and I knew it. See, it's one thing to be anointed and think it's because you're so smart. And you don't give God credit for it. But it's another thing to realize that, wow, what just came out of my mouth is I didn't even know I didn't even know I knew that many scriptures. I didn't even recognize. Brother Bowlinger and I have talked about that. He's like, I don't even know where it came from, Brother Jordan. It just, man, it just came to me. That's the anointing of God. That's the unction. It's the unction of the Holy One that John talked about. It's the unction. It's that, it's that quickening of the Spirit. It comes through the anointing of God that rests upon us. But I'm telling you that the, when you're going through trials and tests and, and, and somebody comes up to you and, and, and they haven't been living for God long or they haven't been through much or maybe it's a younger person and they come to you and, and uh, oh man, I, man I, I want that. I want that anointing. I, I want, but they haven't been through the things you've been through. There's some things that cannot be taught. There's some things that you're just going to have to go through and experience in order for you to be elevated and read or ready for elevation. And so we have to yield ourselves to go through these things. The stress, the pressure, the test that we go through is often all about the anointing of God in our life. Some of the greatest trials that you have been through, and I've talked to some of you about this, some of the things you've been through, some of your trials, some of your greatest days of trial and test, and you didn't understand it, and today it is your greatest opportunity to be able to to witness and testify and help others. Because of the experience that you went through, you went through some hard times, and you, you pick it up, you walk up, and you notice somebody, and you're like, hey, are you going through... And they're going through exactly what you went through because you recognize the markers. You see it. You see it in them. You see it through them. And what you've been through, you have some experience and you went through it and you maintain your integrity with God. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't quit. We all probably suck our thumb once in a while when we ought to be saying, thank God for the valley. But it's hard sometimes to say thank God for the valley. When you're the one in the press and when you're the one that that everything seems to be 
being wrung out of you and you feel like, man, all I need, I need a vacation. I need, and the Lord's saying, no, what you need to do is just yield yourself right here because I'm working something into you that's going to be your greatest asset and blessing down the road. So the, the holy anointing had to be guarded in that It could not be tainted. If a fly got in the ointment, it had to be poured out. It had to be discarded. It had to be protected. Can I talk to you a little bit about protecting your anointing? This is why your, con your separation and your consecration, people say, oh, the church with all their rules. I don't talk a lot about rules. We have some platform standards and some leadership standards. And I don't talk a lot about those. I don't deal with, because I don't want to ever reach a point that my ministry, standing in this pulpit, is giving you a list of what you should do and shouldn't do. Because I want you to love God enough that you pray and say, God, would this please you? Because if there's a question whether it pleases Him or not, I don't want to do it if it makes if it doesn't please the Lord. And if we'll get our heart right with wanting to please God, we can we'll move far away from our list of having to call up the pastor saying, "Pastor, how do you feel about me doing this?" Often I don't even give an answer when people do that. I say, "I don't know, how do you think God's going to feel about it?" If he was in the room with you, how would you feel about it? If he was traveling with you, how would you feel about it? If God was there, would you, would you do that? And, and let that be your answer. There's a lot of things that can work out. But I'm going to tell you, your separation from the world, and I know we've thrown words around through, throughout eons of time, and I don't want to throw them all out, but sometimes we've misconstrued the real meaning of some words. But I'm going to tell you, your, your, your apostolic distinction your holiness, your separation from the world, these are things that guard your anointing. Well, pastor, is it all right? You can lose your testimony and nobody, you're not going to be able to witness to anybody because they wouldn't trust you with anything because of what they've seen out of you. Don't lose your testimony. Guard your life. Guard your testimony. Guard your anointing. Because if the flesh, if we allow the flesh to get in the way, we will hinder the anointing. We will hinder what God is wanting to do. And so we, we must be careful. Guard your anointing. Let me speak to those. And I, there's several in the room tonight. And, and, and I, I, some pursuing ministry and, and some young men, my, my boys in the room tonight, and some that are like my boys in the room tonight. But I'm going to tell you, don't ever take your anointing for granted. There's been times we, don't, we, we can't live on feelings. We can't live on feelings. There's been times that I've gone through seasons that I have prayed and not heard God speak back to me. There's been times I've prayed. I wonder if I could get a witness with anybody 
tonight that understands what I'm talking about. There's been times I've prayed and wondered if God heard me. I'm not talking about one time to pray and wonder if God heard me. There's been times I've prayed and said, I don't, it's been so long since I've heard God, since I've felt God. Is it all right for me to be real with you? It's not just you. We all go through these seasons. That's why when his presence, and tonight I've just felt, just, I've been bathed in the presence of God over and over. I don't want to take that lightly because I've been through seasons when I've prayed and I've sang and I've worshipped. We walk by faith and not by sight. During those seasons, you're not, you're not living because, whoo, there's goosebumps and joy feelings and warm and fuzzies. We, we, we don't live by that. We, that. Those are moments and expressions that God allows in our lives. But you can't base your walk with God on those feelings. The anointed is not always about feelings. Before the priest was to enter, tabernacle of the congregation he was to be anointed with holy anointing oil and he got to the door of the tabernacle now there's a whole process and I'm, I'm jumping ahead because I just feel like saying this right here I'll try not to say it twice tonight but when the, the priest entered he, he entered he had been through the process of cleansing his garments were cleansed his, his garments were prepared and cleansed and ready he, his body was cleansed and prepared he was ready to enter into the tabernacle of the congregation to be anointed. And before that he could enter, he had to stop in the doorway. And they came to him and they anointed him with the holy anointing that I have described to you tonight that was pure. And they poured it out upon his head and it ran through. The Bible gives us clear depiction of it in scripture that the anointing was poured on the head it came down through his beard through his garment all the way down to the very floor it was it was all the way to the bottom of his garment it was saturated through and through now here's this precious garment that he is wearing and it's saturated through and through now if you were there if you were the one anointed and if you were there and saw the anointing you would witness the anointing you would see the anointed you would be able to recognize the anointing that man's been anointed. Look, you can see it. It's in his garment. But in the matter of a short space of time, that anointing oil in of itself will evaporate. And when it evaporates, it no longer becomes visible to the eye. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell him we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm trying to make a point tonight. So that you... You could look at that priest getting ready to walk in to the tabernacle of the congregation and you could not see the oil because the oil had evaporated. But locked in the weaves of that garment, locked in, 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 that, in that garment, all of the, the threads that were woven together of all the precious linens and, and colors and all the things that made up the priestly garment locked in there, something you could not see. There was one thing that remained and that was the aroma 
of the holy anointing oil. You couldn't see it, but you could sense it because there was a sweet smelling savor about him because he had been anointed. And as he maneuvered through and came in contact with people, they would look at him and go, wow. I couldn't see that from a distance, but when I got close to you, there was something about you that is different from everybody else because you have been anointed with holy anointing. If people around you don't see something in you, you need to double check your anointing. Maybe it's been a while since you felt anointed, since you've been able to even feel God. Maybe you've gone through seasons wondering if we're walking by faith and not by sight. But it ought to not change your countenance and your presence. And when you get a, when anointed people get around anybody, they ought to know that person is anointed of the Lord. Because there's a sweet smell and savor about them. It ought to show up in your attitude, in your spirit, in your countenance, everywhere you go. Anointed people ought to be separated. We, we have to come out from among them, not just in how we are dressed. That is important. But our attitude ought to be different. Our conversation ought to be different because we've been anointed. There's something different about you because you're anointed and it is important. Important that people recognize there is a difference. There's a difference in you. Somebody came to me some time ago and said they heard somebody preaching. They, matter of fact, I think the way it came to me was they thought somebody, they thought I was preaching someone else's message. And I said, well, go back and listen again. Uh, actually, they listened to my podcast because I preached it on Sunday and the next Sunday they preached a message and they kind of sounded like they just dictated and preached the exact same message that I preached. And so I had to kind of qualify and say, wait, 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 let's get this straight. Um, but but I'm, I'm, let, me just, let me just get this out here. I'm not going to follow a ministry with somebody that can live like the world and walk to the pulpit and download a sermon and be able to preach or find somebody on a podcast. The world knows there's something different. They can try to preach our sermons and they can try to sing our songs, but there's something about the anointing. Can't describe it. We may not have the octave ranges that they have, but there's something about the anointing. It, it, there's a move of the anointing. If our apostolic services ever become humdrum and dry and we start acting like the world and looking like we're letting a fly get in the ointment, we're not, we cannot allow anything of the flesh to hinder the anointing of God. Our worship ought to be different. Everything we do we don't have to get up and say, hey, before I preach this, hey, before I sing this, I want you to know I got another song I got to sing. I'm a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy ruler, born again, heaven-bound believer. I ought to not have to go down the alphabet. There ought to be a, something different about us that they cannot describe. I was asked to pray at a community meeting several months ago. And it was kind of a short notice. 
I got the call late notice. I showed up to pray. Didn't know the environment, didn't know the setting. I was just simply asked. I knew it was not a church, really a church environment. And I walked in and I began to pray. And I have never, I don't guess I've ever been to a place that I have prayed that I had more people that came up to me to compliment the way that I prayed. Now, I, I'm not saying this to be exalted and lifted up. I'm trying to talk about the anointing of God that worked through me. And the anointing is the barrier. Remember, we talked about it last week. The anointing is the barrier between the flesh. Remember, Jesus is our high priest. He is our advocate. He is the one that is between when we anoint with oil, flesh lays hands upon flesh, but there is a barrier of oil. James chapter 5, anointing them with oil. The oil becomes the barrier. If they're healed, the flesh cannot glory in what the Spirit has done through the anointing. When people are delivered and set free, it's not because they have, because they have healing. They, they have some magical powers or healing powers or any of the above. It is the anointing. It's God that delivers. We have evangelists in our church. I see we have a brother and sister Tapia here tonight. Glad to have you all home. They've been traveling a lot. Glad to have them home. But as they travel, you hear good reports and people baptized and people receiving the Holy Ghost. It's not because we are so gifted or so good. It is because there is an anointing of God. We're the conduit. We can't glory in, boy, I preached and 18 got the Holy Ghost. Fooey, you preached in God chose to fill 18 with the Holy Ghost. We're just a vessel. We're just a conduit. So I went and preached, went and prayed at this event. And I had so many compliments. And one of the greatest compliments was there was a person came to me, a religious person that came to me. And they said, man, when you started praying, said, I'm sorry, but I got thrown completely off. I know we were supposed to be praying. said, I stopped. And I opened my eyes and I looked at you while you were praying. And she said, it has been a very, very long time since I felt what I felt when you were praying. And she said, I told everybody that was at the table where I was, boy, there is quite a difference when, pe when people pray that pray. This was her way of telling me. She said, I could tell that you were a person that prays because you weren't stuttering and stumbling and staggering over yourself. She said there was just a flow. And she said when you began to pray, she said the whole room was kind of had been discombobulated all night. She said when you began to pray, she said the whole room, she said there was a hush came over the room. And she said there was an awe because there was a presence of God that was visible in the room. One of the greatest compliments. One of the greatest... I may never preach a conference. I may never, doesn't matter. One of the highest compliments that somebody can pray, can, 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 can give you is when they tell you, man, you walked up and began to speak and there was something different about your words. When you laid hands on me and started praying for me, there was something came. It wasn't even, it was as if it wasn't even you. It was something, it was something supernatural. Yes, it was. 
I've had people ask me about our church, what is it that makes CLC different? I just have to tell them, just come. Because they wouldn't understand it if I said, oh, there's an anointing in our church. And they're like, there's a what? I just said, just come. Just come experience it because there we that we understand. We've, I've been teaching about this for a couple of weeks, but there is an anointing about this church. There's an anointing in our worship, in the preaching. There's an anointing about the members, and we've got to protect that. We can't ever let the things of the world get in. We can't allow. We can't. We can't get attached to the things of the world. We can't get attached to the things of the world. The Old Testament priests were anointed, and everywhere they went, it was obvious that they were anointed. Obvious they were anointed. And that precious, holy anointing matters. I'm going to wrap it up with this tonight. I've shared this idea with you in times before, but since we're talking about the anointing, I feel it is so very important. It does matter. People are like, yeah, I've, I've had that anointing on me. I'm going to tell you, you have to seek the anointing of God. And that's why I believe that your consecration, your prayer life. I had a lady cutting my hair one time. She said, I could never be Pentecostal. She said, you people go to church too much. But I'm going to tell you what, every time I come to the house of the Lord, I, I need that anointing. It's Wednesday night, but I need the anointing. Oh, pastor, you saying I'm going to backslide if I'm not there on a Wednesday? That's not what I'm saying. We need the anointing, and that's why it's so very important. I don't want to sit back. When there's an opportunity, when there's a call to the altar, this is why the church should respond to a call to the altar. Because we're coming saying, well, I don't, I've, been, I've been walking, I've been working in the world, I've been walking in the world, I've been around the world. I'm not of the world, but I've been around the world. And Lord, I just want you to fill me up. I want to be filled up to overflowing. Give me some fresh oil tonight, God. I, it may not, be the, may not be my music, my song, or my preacher, but God, I just want you to, I need that anointing. I need that fresh anointing. And so it's so important that we seek the anointing. That ought to be our daily prayer life. We ought to ask God, God, anoint me today. Give me what I need for today. Give me. There's all sorts of types that we could, we could use here when it came to the manna, the provision that God gave Israel in the wilderness, the manna that he provided. They couldn't take the manna and they couldn't store it up and save it for the next day because by the next day it would already be stinking. They had to go out. All they had to do was go out because it was provided. They just had to go out and get it. It was there for them. But the Lord said you can't get any more for today than what you're going to use today because tomorrow you're going to need to go back and get it fresh again. I'm going to tell you, the anointing, you've got, to, you've got to go back again and again and again and again and say, God, anoint me fresh. Because every time the priest went in, they had to be anointed again. That's why it's so very important. And there's some areas of the church that we're going to start, I'm going to be, begin promoting in, in ways that I haven't been promoting. And I know sometimes the shift and move from one building to another, but our prayer room before service must not be silent. We need to come early and be in the prayer room. We need to come early. Why is that important? Because there may be somebody here that needs deliverance and I need to be anointed. My flesh needs to be covered with the anointing of God so that I can pray in the altar and worship. And We need the anointing of God. 
and there's nothing. Our prayer room, our, this is an area that we're going to have to step up as a church. We're going to have to, we're, we, and, and, and it just happens. Brother Mooney told me when I was at Calvary 15, 18 years ago, I was talking to him about the prayer room, large church. We were going through a season. There's hardly anybody in the prayer room. And I went to him and asked him, I said, can I, can I work the prayer room? Can I try to get people to come? Can I do some promotions to get people in the prayer room? And he said something to me, and I've never forgotten it. He said, Brother Jordan, he said, prayer, prayer is something that you have to always be pressing on because the moment you let off, the whole congregation will, will let off. And he said, but I'm going to tell you more than that. The moment that you personally stop focusing on it, your prayer life will, will, will dwindle. You got to stay focused on it. Why is it important? Because we need the anointing. We need the anointing. We need a fresh anointing. And we need to come in and we need to be anointed on a regular basis. That's why it is so important. Our, our pre-service prayer, having the anointing of God upon us, our response in the altar. We ought to never come to church, sit through the preaching and say, well, I was here, I made it through service and I'm going to leave and ease out the back door. You need to engage in what God is doing. You need to come forward. I know it's just coming forward. He can do it right in the pew where you are. And some may not be physically able. And I, I'm not... I'm not splitting hairs with you here but what I am telling you is that we need a fresh anointing every time we come into the presence of God we need a fresh anointing David and Saul were both anointed they were both anointed they were chosen of God and they were both anointed and they were both anointed to lead I talked a little bit about that last week how that David had to go through the process he was anointed there were three levels of anointing he had to, had to be placed placed upon him. They, he and Saul were both anointed. But Saul and David, the level of their anointing was different. They were anointed in different manners. They had a lot of similarities. Saul and David both, they were both good men. Saul, the Lord, the Bible speaks of Saul and said, none goodlier. Don't you like that word? None goodlier. David, the scripture says he was beautiful in appearance. He was goodly to look at. They're, they're both selected young to lead Israel. They were favored by men. They were victorious and strong leaders. They were both anointed by the Lord and chosen of God to lead. The difference, though, was notable. David ended, he had failure all through his life, but David ended his life strong and favored of God. Saul died on the hill Gilboa, slain with his own sword. They had a lot of similarities, but in the end, it was. but there is something different about their anointing. The difference of their anointing, you can find in Scripture, there was a difference in the amount of their anointing. The anointed of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse number 1, the scripture said Samuel took a vial of oil. A vial was a small amount of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him. And the scripture, it was a vial of oil. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, about David's anointed. And the scripture said Samuel took a horn of oil. Saul, a vial. David, a horn. 
The only difference that I can find was there was a difference in the amount of anointing. One was with a vial, a small quantity. Maybe an amount that could be held in this water bottle, a vial, maybe not even this amount, maybe something like 10 ounces or so, and it was poured out upon him. But a horn of oil, which was approximately about six quarts of oil that was poured out upon David. There was a difference in their anointing. Could that be connected to the reason why the scripture says that Saul had killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands? Because there was a difference in his anointing. I believe God has called you and this church to do great exploits. We need the anointing of God, and it matters. Some may say, well, I'm anointed, but you can be greater. We need to seek God for a greater anointing. God, give me a greater anointing. I'm coming back again and again. Don't ever get tired of coming back and say, anoint me fresh and anew. My strength from yesterday is gone. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh anointing. David said in Psalm 92, and I'm closing with this. David said in Psalm 92, but my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. David knew, and he uses the analogy and the typology of the horn of a unicorn. In other words, he said, your horn will be exalted like the horn of a unicorn, meaning it would be turned upside down and poured upon me. David knew. He didn't say, Lord, let a few drops come from Saul's vial. But David had been anointed with a horn, and he said, Lord, anoint me with fresh oil. All over again. That horn... One time being anointed wasn't enough. One time to the altar is not enough. It's not going to do it. You've got to go back again and again and again and say, God, fresh anointing. You ought to get up every day and pray and say, God, fresh anointing. Let me protect this anointing. Let me walk in your favor. God, let your anointing rest fresh upon me. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Let's pray before we're dismissed. We need the anointing of God to rest upon us in everything that we do. Why don't you just call on the Lord right now? God, we call upon you now. Lord, we are nothing without you, but through you and by your anointing and by your power, we can do all things. Lord, I'm praying tonight, God, for every person under the sound of my voice, every man, woman, boy, or girl in this room, I pray, God, that you anoint us with fresh oil. God, anoint us, Lord. Don't hold back anything from us, God. Let us walk worthy of your calling. Let your anointing rest upon us, God. Lord, let there be something fresh. Let that fresh aroma be about us in everything that we do and work at home in the way we navigate through life, God. Let people see something in us that is different, God, more than just outwardly, but let there be something about our presence that speaks of your anointing in us, that we don't have to speak words or brag about how great we are, but, Lord, they can sense it about us because your anointing makes the difference. We thank you for it. We are.